Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, everyone. Well, welcome back to Film Detectives, episode 17. And I am incredibly excited to introduce our guest today. You may know him. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're both we're both very excited. You may know him as the voice of Yakko from Animaniacs, Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, 50% of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Carl from Jimmy Neutron, one of my personal favorites, and so many other characters. Also, the man that can say all the countries in the world faster than anyone else. The amazing Rob Paulson. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome, Rob. Thank you, Trevor and Elliot. I, uh, I, I think we can stop right here because you've given me an auspicious intro that I can't possibly live up to. Um, <laughs> but I can tell you for certain that Carl will try. So, <laughs> well, hello, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> hello, Elliot. No, I, 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 I am. Uh, I, what I was going to say to you, to you fellers off screen, and, and um, but it's important that the the audience hears this. I have to tell you, this is the first time I've been an old person, right? So, um, it happens to all of us, hopefully. But I have to say that had someone said to me, you know, what, uh, boy, you know, you're going to have this chunk of time where everything's kicking ass and you're making money and working and having fun and all that, you know, but it'll go away. It hasn't gone away. I'm working every day. I'm actually uh, talking to you folks today from about 100 miles north of San Francisco. Um, My wife and I are looking at a house up here, but I've got a job. for Animaniacs, but I'm going to just do it at a studio in San Francisco. So I'm, you know, I'm going to roll it. Excellent. Do my thing. My point about all of it was that I now have a career and credibility and uh, and insight that one can only achieve by living this long, by living, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when I get to talk to you guys. Uh, as I said before, we came on on the air. I, I worked really hard for this privilege, and make no mistakes, mm-hmm. that's exactly what this is. It's a privilege that mm-hmm. you guys take the time to chat with people like me. But it's really cool. I gotta say, I yeah. I'm closer to the end than the beginning. But <laughs> there are just as many cool things, and especially this gig. Trevor, I know, is an actor and voice guy. That that about this gig is that you're not limited by anything. But your creativity. Nobody cares how old I am. Nobody cares how tall I am. Nobody cares what color my hair is. As long as I can do this, they'll. You're good. <laughs> and you know, and I can speak with authority about it. So I really appreciate you guys asking me. It's a cool thing. Well, thank you, Rob. That's what's always drawn me to voice acting and and animation because the timeless quality of the voices that are for all that you guys have to create for all these characters it's just it's an indelible uh timeless piece of product that like will last ages and 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 you can keep and the the great thing about even just like going back and rediscovering animaniacs and pinky in the brain and 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 re-watching some of those old episodes again it's like oh my gosh it's all coming back to me from my childhood and i'm sure trevor was the same for you too you know and it's just it's such, and it's just such a pleasure to have you on the show here, Rob. So, uh, so <laughs> uh, to get started, what was your favorite movie growing up, and how did that influence you to pursue a career in acting and then voice acting? Doctor Strangelove, um, Peter Sellers, ah. Peter Sellers. I, I put on one of my uh, 
I forgot which uh, social media thing, but uh, part of my uh, bio says um, acolyte in the Church of Peter Sellers, and and that's not that's not hyperbole. Uh, Peter Sellers. I mean, I'm I'm not telling you guys or the audience anything new. Um, <laughs> Peter Sellers, for all of his madness, which made it difficult uh, often, from what we understand, to work with him. But man, those of us who were able to enjoy it, oh my God. Mm -hmm. He was a genius. I oh. mean, like a comedic genius. Talk about inspiration. So the the I remember, you know, the the um the, the all of them, the mouse that roared, uh all of the Pink Panther movies and all that, but there was something about Doctor Strange Love, especially because, you know, I'm I'm 65 years old. So I remember clearly when the Cold War was a, a big deal, when you mm -hmm. know. Where I don't remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, but I remember very clearly uh, uh, failsafe um, Fahrenheit mm -hmm. 451. Uh, right. Uh, do silly things like having duck and cover in the event of nuclear war. We, you know, get out of the desk, yeah. kids. And yeah. Do Thank you. That's gonna yeah. save my life. Yeah, because yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Doctor Strangelove lampooned. What would happen if the Russian president and the American president got it wrong? And right. and so to be able, and mind you, it was also directed by Stanley Kubrick. And when you're talking about, I don't even, yeah. Yeah, so, master auteur director back then, so, you know. Uh, I had already been exposed to Stanley Kubrick because of Paths of Glory, uh, Spartacus, uh, which to this day is still one of my all-time favorite movies, but um, and both of which starred Kirk Douglas. But with respect to uh, Strange Love, I I am by nature a, a funny guy and a funny loving guy. We all love fun, but I love funny. Um, yeah. I don't know that you know that that I could have picked a more inspirational person, albeit twisted to emulate vis-a-vis -vis my, my own chops than Peter. Because when you look at, I mean, Dr. Strangelove was a great film. Other wonderful actors, Sterling Hayden, uh, George C. Scott, uh, Slim yeah. Pickens, but it was Peter's movie. And mm -hmm. three distinct, incredible characters. And yeah. I, I defy anyone uh, really to watch it and if you don't like the movie, it's pretty difficult to not watch it or to watch it and not be blown away by Peter. And every time I think I'm getting pretty good at my own gig, Peter did a lot of voice work. And I have a, a, a collection of, uh, we used to be in a, an outfit called The Goon Show, which was a, a predecessor of the Pythons. And oh, really? Yeah. Spike Milligan, yeah. Peter Sellers, Michael Benteen, Harry Seacomb. Check out The Goon Show. And they were... Um, post-war, Second World War, um, um, you know, radio show, TV show, radio show. So Peter did a ton of voiceover work, comedy voiceover work. And I'm telling you, uh, Trevor and Elliot, every time I think I'm getting pretty good at my gig, I go listen to Peter from 1950 or mm -hmm. watch Strange Love again and go, are you, f who am I kidding? This guy, <laughs> it, that that's remarkable. Uh, mm -hmm. And it never is not so. Um, so well, his ability, rambling way his, of, that's my favorite. That's the movie that yeah. really got me on this path. Yeah, his ability to just 
effortlessly change between characters is just and i see that a lot in your own work too because you're able to it's like a role having a rolodex of characters in your head and you just you're and able to then just produce that with your voice and sellers really uh start you know really started a lot of that there including also mel blanc and uh, june foray you know like um you know those were like the predecessors for you know if without them we wouldn't have animation of what it is today. You yeah, know? He was, and he was um, doing it ahead of his time, pretty much. Uh, without question, you're right, you guys. Exactly. Um, uh, when you look back at the stuff that, uh, well, and you, you guys already touched on it. Um, mm-hmm. It is not hyperbole at all to suggest that some animated projects, we know they become iconic, but they become seminal pieces mm-hmm. of American art. Um, right. And obviously not just American, but we're talking about the usual suspects, Looney Tunes, um, Mickey, Goofy, Flintstones, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Those, mm-hmm. those are, that is, you know, it used to be when you watch Looney Tunes on Saturday, the, the announcer would say, starring that Oscar winning rabbit, Bugs Bunny. And that's true. Um, yeah. When you look at Chuck Jones, uh, Bob McKimson, uh, Bob Clampett, Carl Stalling with that remarkable music. Millions of people didn't know that kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. It's it's Wagner. It's yeah. Flight of the Valkyries. Yeah. Apocalypse. And you're, oh, wait a minute. That's kill the wabbit. My point yeah. is that to be able to co-opt those things and, uh, you know, Bugs is 80 now. Uh, it takes half a dozen actors to replace Mr. Blank. But you can go back and watch the original Bugs Bunny stuff from the early 50s through, I think, mid-80s or mid-70s, I don't know, the late 70s. I could watch one froggy evening. I could watch duck season, wabbit season, fire. It's freaking amazing every time. And it is not by accident. The only thing, in my view, that takes something from entertainment to legendary... uh, um, iconic status is time, and and yeah. we have that. We have the benefit of time and watching what it, what people yeah. created, many of whom have been dead for longer than you've been alive. But it, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's good stuff as good stuff. And I I am I I could not agree with you more. Um, to and now to be involved with pieces of animation that have at least stood a generational test. Yeah, uh, right. In the guise of Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain. Those are shows that have an exponentially larger audience than the first time they aired. And to have Mr. Spielberg at whatever he is, 73 or four years old, to say, we got to do this again. And people way younger than you and pretty much older than I all say, oh, you know what? This is starting to be up in that pantheon of great animated projects. The music. All of it, it 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 is starting to sort of get that glorious patina. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, well, I think the whole thing with Animaniacs was like the the beauty of the of uh, the melding between the music and also animation and and comedy and slapstick mm-hmm. comedy because it was revitalizing a lot of stuff that the Marx Brothers and also Three Stooges, you know, all started and also Laurel and Hardy, you know. So and 
you know, and I, I just love all the pop culture references that you guys were doing <laughs> at the start of the show. And then mm -hmm. even even so more so now with the newer revamp of it 22 oh, years later. Well, check yeah. this out. You guys probably already know this, but for your audience, you may not have, you know, seen the show or shame on you, first of all. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the updated uh, title theme, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it's time for Animaniacs. Mm -hmm. So genius. Uh, Wellesley Wild, who, who uh, has, for years was Seth MacFarlane's right-hand guy on Family Guy and in Ted movies, um, is the now showrunner, executive producer um, of Animaniacs. But they were brilliant, uh, Elliot, in the way that they uh, used the opening title to bring back the nostalgia, because as soon as you're, but it's time for everybody. Yeah. Some people cry. It's remarkable. And even though the the new show on Hulu has had a little bit of, uh, of updated tweaks to make the characters a little more updated, they're still very um, kind of like rooted in themselves. Correct. And they're yeah, dots very, of suffragette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Very yeah, that's suffragette. And and <laughs> uh, they are very um, um, they're very much reflected in the old character stuff. But here's what they did. We, you know, it, for the first half of the opening title, you see Yakko, Yakko, and Dot from the 90s. Mm -hmm. Here are the theme song mm -hmm. as it was. Then there's a cut, and it goes to Yakko, Yakko, and Dot with a little slicker animation. The technology is better. It pops mm -hmm. a little more, and the lyrics go to gender balanced, pronoun neutral, and ethnically diverse. Yep. Those all say we're so passe, but we did meta first. Are you kidding me? That's brilliant. It's genius. Uh, right off the, and that is before you see one frame of the new mm -hmm. version. Mm -hmm. Right away, they're self-aware. Yep. They get that there's a 25-year passage of time that the whole social uh, construct is so different and they mm -hmm. acknowledge it right off the bat that's pretty freaking smart okay. yeah and, and i think personally too you know with how social media and you cover this in the first episode of the new season but with social media and everything how everything goes viral nowadays i think that's another reason why animaniacs is still so you know relevant time has passed but also because of the beauty of social media I was looking yesterday at the countries of the world, yeah. you know, that uh, recorded and it has over like 17 million views or something like that. And I went to the comments section and it's like, oh, you're here too during quarantine learning this because you have nothing else to do. And that that's that's incredible. That's amazing. That's a show, you know, that's stood the test of time. And here we are in 2020 and 2021 and 17 million views on one song from a TV show. Yeah. I'm telling you, buddy, I, literally yesterday, uh, uh, my wife and I have a very dear friend whose granddaughter uh, is in school in Austin. And mm -hmm. I think she's maybe in third grade. And she got so excited. She said, Uncle Rob, Uncle Rob, Uncle Rob. And the teacher today played Yakko's role because the teacher is 30 and 35. And she lives for Animaniacs. Oh, you think that you, you want to hear something that's pretty clever? watch this okay so the kids flipped out many of them had already seen it and here's how interesting that is your, your point is so well taken trev um she was so excited because she said miss whatever 
that's my Uncle Rob. <laughs> and of course, the teacher was like, oh, sweetie, that's, that's very nice. I'm sure your Uncle Rob knows the song. No, no. That Uncle Rob Paulson, that's, you look online, that's his name. He's my, so the point is that I'm going to be now in the wonderfully glorious position of being able to do a Zoom call and making sure that my little niece is not, you know, made fun of and say, no, I really am. And it's I'm gonna, her uncle. <laughs> right. It's going to freak out the teacher in the gr most glorious way. But you see, your point is so spot on, you guys. That two and a half minute cartoon has transcended the medium, mm -hmm. in my yeah. view. It really is. What's up, Doc? I mean, it's that it's that yeah. seminal now. Long, yeah. long after I'm dust. You guys are going to be older than I, and you might still be doing a show for a whole lot of money. And, <laughs> you know, remember that guy we talked to, Ron Pullman, I don't know, 100 years? The guy's been dead forever. You know that goddamn song? And now it's got 100 million views. And it yeah. is never not mind-blowing every single time. It's beautifully directed. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the song is incredible. It doesn't matter that it may not be accurate anymore. In fact, Randy Rogel, who wrote that song, has written a new stanza with all the mm -hmm. countries that have sprung up, which you guys yep. have seen. Yep. But you see my point. The original, even with the fact that things change, will never be anything but mind-blowing. And yeah, right. that's when you really got something. It's 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 pervasive in the most cool way. Well, well and that's it's the magic because like it, it's fun to learn, but it's also a challenge at the same time because you're learning. Yes. But what you're doing there is absolutely insane. Those countries at the end, like I, I tried it because I like to do fast raps and things like that, and I consider that kind of <laughs> like a rap in a way. Sure. And the, those countries at the end, they're they're brutal. They're I pretty know. brutal. Well. I don't know if you guys know this, and, I, and since we're on this subject, but I got you guys are, in your audience will get a real kick out of this. And um, you may know this, but it, it bears repeating. Um, my dear brother, Randy Rogel, who wrote that, he wrote, It's a great big universe, and we're all really puny. We're just tiny little specks about the size of Mickey Rooney. You know, uh, <laughs> states in the capitals. Um, Cheyenne is in Wyoming, and perhaps you make your home in Salt Lake oh. City out in Utah where the buffalo run. Or he wrote, uh, I'm cute. Uh, I'm sweet. The, Dot did a song called I'm cute. And the mm -hmm. lyric is I'm sweet and I'm cuddly and small, just like Dudley, but more. Are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> that's Sondheim. That's Gershwin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and those are 25 years old now. The new stuff mm -hmm. he's writing is even better. But the backstory behind Yakko's world, which we could argue is probably one of the most famous cartoon pieces of music ever yeah. right now mm -hmm. without yeah. uh, 50 years going by. Okay. Here's the backstory. And, and this is important for young performers, creators, writers to know because uh, all of us, um, when we ch choose to pursue something that is uh, uh, that we pursue because of, because it satisfies our soul, because we can't not do it. Often, those are, um, those are uh, uh, careers that have no basis in reality. I mean, you, the, the odds of me sitting here talking to you nice young guys with the career that I continue to enjoy, the odds are astronomical. Now, I knew that going in. 
just like any other actor, just like Brad Pitt did when he moved here. You know, same thing with sports uh, or writing. You do it because you can't not do it. If you make a living at it, that's gravy. But you got to try. Okay, so when you come to L.A., often you have been the star of all your high school musicals or you've already been on the road or you've had a, a, a maybe a semi-hit record in a spot of the country. You know, and you come out here with piss and vinegar exactly as it should be. Then you meet everybody else who's come here from around the world and you are knocked on your ass like that. Yep. And you have the choice to either go, oh my God, I am so out of my depth. I'm going back to my case. I'm going back to Michigan. Or you say, well, I, I reckon I better learn from these people because if I look at it the right way, this is an opportunity for me to learn stuff that I don't have to pay anything for but my time. And you, then you're in my case, I'm surrounded by Lorraine Newman and Phil Hartman and Randy Rogel and you know people like that. So, okay, we set that up. Randy Rogel uh, is a West Point grad. All right, so he's already a pretty bright guy. He does his five years of service. Then he goes into corporate America making a, you know, a nice six-figure salary at 28 years old. He's killing it. Single, but he's a writer like you guys. He's an auteur. He's a, well, not an auteur yet, but he's a writer. He's a, he's a creator. You know what? I got to be true to my soul. I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to knock on the doors. Left his six-figure job like me, unencumbered, that is, you know, no, nobody to worry about but yourself. You can be selfish. No marriage, no children, no major, nothing. Came down here, starts banging on doors. Gets a job writing on Batman, the animated series, which is, okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's now, pretty big. Season, he's been, been here for a year or two and finally gets that gig. The first season for which he writes, he wins an Emmy for writing for Batman. Okay. The next year, he hears about this new show that's being produced by the same folks who did Tiny Toons across the hall called Animaniacs. Clean sheet of paper, music-driven, 40-piece orchestra, Steven Spielberg, just like <laughs> None of this shit yeah. happens in L.A. unless you got Steven. Okay, yeah. so Randy says, oh, my God, music is really my thing. I mean, I'm a writer, but I've written so many songs on spec that I, okay. Yeah. I want to write on your show. No, 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 no. You just want an Emmy for Batman. Go back to doing that. Yeah, 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 I know. But I can do, I can do this. Look, look, okay. You need more money. You want an Emmy. Have your agent call me. We give, no, no, no. I, I, I can write music. They finally say, all right, what have you got? Boys, what he, what his audition piece was, Adam, was Yakko's Will. He had that in his back oh, really? pocket. He had not played it for anyone. He had wow. it in his back pocket. Oh, and my gosh. And Ruger, the creator, literally said, all right, I mean, I'm aware of your work. Alan Burnett tells me you're really talented. You produced uh, Batman. What have you got, Randy? United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica. And you can imagine that if Tom was in his office and there was a camera down the hall pointing at the office door, he would have stuck his head out and said, Mr. Spielberg, I think you ought to come listen to this. You know, that's my point, circuitously, is that's the kind of talent that you run into. Nobody yep. knew Randy Rogel. Nobody knew Rob Paulson. Nobody knew Steven Spielberg until he met Lou Wasserman. 
And mm-hmm. that is both terrifying, but also ultimately really inspirational. I mm-hmm. love to tell that story because one would suspect that after a year or two of writing, you kind of go, oh, hey, let's do this song about the countries of the world. That was the first song I recorded for Animaniacs, and it was the first song Randy wrote, and it was the song mm-hmm. that got him the job because he had it in his back freaking pocket. That's incredible. Isn't I mean, that yeah, that's that's so, that's like part of history there, you it, know, seriously, for animation, you know. And obviously, crazy. we're the most we're the benefactors of that incredible genius. Yeah. But imagine how grateful I feel because mm-hmm. I, this guy is like a brother to me, and mm-hmm. and he just says, "Hey, Rob, I'm writing this thing. What do you think?" And I mean, I don't even can tell you the number of times I looked at my wife and said, "Check this out." And I read music, so I sing it for him. Randy, yeah. And it's it's amazing. And I love singing the praises of others because all it does is, is, is to me, pour gas on your own creative fires, all of you mm. there, yeah. to know mm-hmm. that there's a guy who, after he went to West Point, found his way to Hollywood, and now is... I don't know, got half a dozen Emmys, and he's writing every single day. He's pushing 70. He's writing every day for Disney. For, That's beautiful. For, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it really is worth pursuing, and um, I love telling stories like that. So forgive my rambling. I was clearly aptly cast. No, that's, no, 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 that's not right. Ra- I mean, I think that's, that's perfect because, you know, me being in, getting out of school and everything and, and being around people that are kind of just, you know, moving here because, like you were saying, they were, you know, the top of their acting thing back home, you know, in theater, whatever it was, and just seeing how many people just leave or give up. Oh, isn't that breaking? Yeah, or or the people that just don't apply themselves, even in school. Like, I would see people in my class that just would sit there on their phones and just not pay any attention. I'm like, what are you doing with with yourselves? Like, I mean, ultimately, I can't do anything about it. You know, it's it's me and myself, but like, what are you doing? You're just, you're wasting, like you said, time, time is so precious. You can't get time back. It is more precious than yeah. anything else on this earth. And, and people are just wasting it. And it's like, um, let me tell you, boys, and I say that with all due respect, because you are to me, but the fact that you guys grasp that, uh, that, that time is, is the most precious commodity we have. I can tell you, as I said, as a man who's closer to the end than the beginning, you're 100% correct. Um, and I would submit that uh, when we see people who purport to be serious creators, it doesn't mean that if you choose something else and you say, I'm not, I've decided show business isn't for me, that's fine. But if you really are in, into this and you're willing to jump in with both feet, then you got to know that the people with whom you're competing are not on their phones, just like mm-hmm. a professional athlete in the offseason. Yeah. How many times do you hear a professional female male athlete saying, the reason I work out seven hours a day is because I know every hour I don't, my competition is still working out. And it's the same with performance. I practice, riff, create every single day. Now, it may be in my car. It may be recording something like, ooh, I really like this. I don't know when I'm going to use it, but Elliot suggested it earlier. It's just kind of like a mental Rolodex. I, I keep track of all these things because it's a freaking marathon. Mm. Uh, I 
have had jobs that have turned into four or five year jobs because I'll have, a, have cataloged a character that lit me up when I was 25. And then I auditioned at 45 and said, oh my God, I have a place for this knucklehead now. And it makes me look like, you know, pretty, wow, you've already done this. I mean, is, does the well never run dry? Yeah, occasionally. But when I got something, because I do take it seriously, I don't take myself seriously. I take my work seriously. And I, and I catalog it because I know I'm going to use it. And so your point is 100% right, Trev. Um, and I, it's heartbreaking because I, I know how much I love this. This, this mm-hmm. excitement you guys see on the other side of the camera is utterly authentic. I love what you guys are, are fixing to enjoy. There is nothing, nothing more wonderful outside of the birth of your own child to be able to sit back at the end of the day and you look at your kitty cat and you go, wow, I bought your cat food with money I earned doing something I would do for free. Yeah. Go to the grocery mm-hmm. store and the guy says, okay, that'll be, you know, you're really loading up today at, uh, you know, wherever you go in Costco, that's going to be $267. And you know what? I just earned this from a residual <laughs> check for writing for who's cooking the soup. There you go, my friend. Yeah. There is... It's glorious because mm-hmm. you have achieved, continue to achieve your goals, but you literally feed your soul. And mm-hmm. I, I, a day doesn't go by that I don't pinch myself thinking, I can't believe it. Today I get to talk to Trevor and Elliot. It's a privilege to do so. They let me ramble and talk about my stuff. But all these little anecdotes are important in the context of creativity. Mm, yeah. you're going to cut this up and people are going to listen to it and say wow there's a little anecdote that mm-hmm. Bob mentioned that really resonates with me I've been mm-hmm. really struggling on how to how to get my headspace. you know this woman I'm in love with is not keen on going to LA with me so what do mm-hmm. I do those are the practical aspects of deciding to be a creator for a living your yeah. parents love yeah. you, and they say, "Jesus, Trevor, Elliot, I love you." Are you serious? You, you know, if your dad's a doctor, he can get you into Harvard Med. I know, Mom, but that stuff happens all the time. Yeah. So often, yeah. people who are creators, by nature, we're pretty, we're we're already pretty, um, pretty brave, uh, because it takes a lot of guts to be willing to do what people who love you mm-hmm. even if it's someone who literally is your you know you say oh my god i've met the girl of my dreams well the girl of your dreams has just said hey ellie and i love you but i i, I wasn't i'm not in this for how long are you going to give this well yeah. debbie i'm going to give this till i die okay we got to talk now that's really hard <laughs> yeah, right to, to, to issue possibly the, the love of your life to follow what your soul can't live without. And I know that sounds really existential, but it's that when you're by yourself and you're broke mm-hmm. in LA or New York or wherever, you're going, I'm still glad I made this choice. I'm still yeah. glad yeah. that even tomorrow I got to go out and get a side job because I got to eat. I, gotta, I do have to pay for my cat food. And I think about that woman every day. But 
God, forgive me. I've made the right choice. That, that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to be willing to do that. And so, um, follow your dreams, you know, yeah. and do what, what you fulfills love. you soul, uh, heart, body, and soul. Totally. I, and at least going into it, it's, it's lovely to have, uh, you guys give me an opportunity because when you, I'm not a movie star, I'm good at my job. You guys are very kind to making a fuss over me, but I, I call myself and I'm very grateful to be a blue collar worker in the dream factory. I'm not, mm. I don't live under a bridge, but I don't, Live in a ten thousand square foot home with forty seven cars, and and you know I'm not Brad Pitt, but there's a nice chunk of people who yeah. make a lovely living, put their kids through school, buy braces and all that stuff, doing this wonderful profession. And it's important for young folks to hear from people like me who could be their yeah. father and say, "Wow, Rob's you know married, and his kid went to college and." He has a couple of cars and he goes on vacation just like a normal people, uh, a normal person. So I love to have these opportunities because I, I never, I mean, you know, you read and you see people on the Tonight Show, but we didn't have any of this technology. So to be able to pick, or I say pink, a guy's brain, um, to be able to hear what, how you got out here at 22 years old, what got you out here, what did you go through before, what did your parents say? What do the people who love you say? Um, what happened when you were broke? What happened when you were broke after you were really wealthy and your career went south? And I, uh, um, yeah. you don't always get to hear that from rank and file workers in Hollywood. So you guys are providing a real service to young creators. It's it's a very cool thing that you do. Well, thank well, you, thank you. Yeah, because like the whole thing is we want to shed light on you know getting to where you guys are is not easy but and you've gone through so much and it's also but if you just believe in yourself and and follow your dreams you'll be able and and just keep trying and not give up that's the thing is the giving up really gets a lot of people especially that move out here from other states or countries and it's like they get here and they're like they immediately get turned they're like oh they think that they're gonna get handed it on a silver platter and no, you have to work. You're right. And, and the action, if, if you find what you love and you find your passion, you never work a day in your life. That's true. Yep. And it sounds great. But of course, the practical application of that is that you still have to eat. And right. it's important <laughs> for people to know. Now, I get a lot more work given to me now than when I was young. I have credibility. I have a track record. Mm-hmm. People say, I want Rob on my show. And I work right. really hard for that. But I also still audition a lot. I don't sit at home mm-hmm. going through scripts, deciding which project I want to do and for how much money. Not at all. And I've won an Emmy. I've been nominated for three. I've won a bunch of Annie Awards, a Peabody Award, made a lot of money, all that stuff. But there will always be a cachet to celebrity. And in my circumstance, the characters are famous. It's not false modesty. Yeah. I'm really good at my job. But I ought to be. But I don't draw them, and I don't write them. Mm, so right. I have a unique story. Not a unique story, but I am one of you. I'm just a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, it was difficult, but I chose this. Nobody mm-hmm. shoved a gun in my mouth, and I would submit probably nobody else's, to be an actor. Yeah. I <laughs> to be here. And so yeah. that's when you decide, 
you decide, are you really cut out for anything? Showbiz, sports, running your own business, whatever, when you're broke, when it's all on you, and you're going, wow, I got a mortgage to pay. What? Well, I'm going to have to make some money, but I, I, I'm not going to stop this. Mm-hmm. Or say, I've had enough. I get that too. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. But it's important to understand that even though you go up further up the food chain, there are many people who look at me as, I can't wait to be Rob Paulson. I, Jesus, I can't wait to be in that position. I, I, you know, He likes cars. I want a nice car too. And I'll, Well, I'm here to tell you, it, the hustle never stops. Mm-hmm. Right. Never. And you, yeah. once you learn to enjoy the hustle, then you're you're fine because you you take a punch. I didn't get it. I had 14 callbacks and I didn't get it. Shit. Or man, I thought I was going to get this job and I spent money accordingly and now I'm broke. Well, that's the way it goes. I'm 48 years old. Yeah, man. It never stops. So mm-hmm. that's just important for people to know. And you you just got to really want to do it. Yeah. And if you love, like I always say to people, you know, that ask me about it, I mean, I don't have near as much experience, but the experience I have, I'm like, if you love what you do, then you're going to do whatever it takes to be able to continue to go after that thing. Period. Yeah, absolutely right, Trevor. And that that applies to any gig. We're talking about show business. Mm -hmm. But man, if you want to own your own, if you want to own a, you've created the most wonderful taco recipe, and you have got to get seed money to open up Elliot and Trev's taco stand. I got this great idea. Yeah. There we go. Right? It's, it's yeah. you got to have seed money. It's expensive. You've got, uh, in California, you have to jump through incredible hoops, insurance-wise and, and um, workman's comp-wise. And, oh, my God, taxes. It's very difficult. So at 50, you find yourself with 15 Trev and Elliot taco stands. And somebody comes in and says, you know what? I like your stuff, but I want to change it. I'm going to buy, I want to buy that from you. And then they write you an offer for $25, $30 million and off you go. Or you say, no, I just like having my hands in it. But the road to get there was mm-hmm. not easy. It was your right. choice. And you, mm-hmm. you assume the risks responsibly and you mm-hmm. enjoy the benefits and the rewards. Yeah. And that's like that picture of the iceberg at the top, you know, you see where your success is, but no one ever sees the under part where all the struggles and, you know, tribulations and trials came along. Exactly. And it's, it's just part of the deal. Look, nobody gets out of here without a couple of dings, you guys. And that's just part of the deal. I don't care if it's being divorce, bankruptcy, cancer, losing a loved one, whatever. If you live long enough, you're going to take some shots. So it seems to me that if you're as fortunate as you guys and I are. That is to say, we know what we want to do. We, we are in. That in itself is a huge gift. So many people get two or three different degrees from college, and it's more the rule rather than the exception. You know, I've got mm-hmm. my degree, but I don't know if I really want to be in accounting. I don't know if I really yeah. want to be in political science. Yeah. And, and I understand that. So for those of us who have been lucky enough to know that I didn't want to do cartoons, I knew I wanted to be a performer when I was very young. And it was, I mean, I was hooked deeply by the time I was probably 19. So that's a huge gift for us because a lot of people don't figure it out until they're 35 or 40 and go, you know what? If I get a little more school, I think I want to be in the real estate business. 
great. But if you if you've got something that floats your boat to the extent that you're willing to work two different jobs and live in a an apartment with two other people when you're 37 years old, hey man, it may not be glamorous, but you're doing exactly what you feel you're called to do, and that's a big deal. Yeah, and there's there's no shame in that. There's what? no shame. You shouldn't take any shame in that. I mean, we're as society, you know, we look at people like, oh man, I can't believe they're doing that. But if they're happy and they're doing what they enjoy. What does it matter? And surrounded by those that they love and are supported by, you know? Sure. And, and, it, and if you're willing to accept the responsibilities of your actions, uh, mm -hmm. understanding that the older you get and the people who love you may say, you know, the woman of your dreams or the man of your dreams may say, man, I'm really sorry, Rob. I do love you, but I, I really want to have children. And I, mm -hmm. I'm 30, you're 32. How much longer are you going to give this? And my answer is until I'm not breathing anymore. Then, okay, I got to make a choice. That happens all the time. And, and, it, and often people make the other choice and, and are very happy with it. Say, boy, am I so glad I stuck with my, my now wife. I do community theater on the weekends and I love it. I'm an insurance agent during the week. I make a nice living. I got two kids and I'm in a rock and roll band on the weekend and I have a ball. The itch gets scratched. I don't live in LA. Yeah. I tried it, but am I glad with my choice? It's, it's really just all about being honest to yourself and, and personal responsibility. If it doesn't work for you in showbiz, you cannot blame anyone else. It is, mm -hmm. it is all about your choice and being responsible for that. Well, speaking of showbiz, to, to continue down your track record here, uh, how did you get the gig of on you know, Jimmy Neutron of being the incredible Carl. Oh, that was his real name, Trevor, the incredible Carl. Just ah. so you know, he's a superhero. You might not believe it, but I really am. I I ride a a nuclear powered llama with laser beams. Pew pew pew. Yeah, and then I attack, then I attack a giant killer quassel. Uh, I uh Okay, look at these look at these beautiful young boys, folks. Look what's happening to their faces. <laughs> just that? literally made Trevor in my day. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, it just okay. It's yeah. surreal for me, and Elliot, I'm sure it's just surreal. It really you is. Know, like, this thing, uh, I love this, and I mean, look at these two young, handsome, talented boys, and all I have to do is what comes naturally, and mm -hmm. watch what happens to their face. Now, you can only imagine how how that makes me feel. It doesn't matter that I've done that thousands of times. It's the first time I've done it with you. And that is what is important. And mm. I, I, it's impossible for me to quantify how that makes me feel, to know that you mm. guys get such a kick out of it. And there's no downside. It's just pure, unadulterated joy. Fantastic. Yeah. So in answer to your question, um, it was a traditional audition. Uh, I had worked with Steve Odekirk, one of the um, one of the creators on a bunch of these really bizarre little made-for-DVD things called, um, uh, they were with Thumbs, Thumb Tannic, Thumb Wars, Bat Thumb, and you could look them up. <laughs> I remember one. those. Yeah. I remember those. <laughs> 
Nick would smoke a ball and watch Bat Thumb. So, <laughs> I, just, I remember Thumb Tannic the most, Thumb though. Tannic, right. Yeah. And I, I knew uh, Steve and his producer, Paul Marshall, very well. Steve was a, a successful stand-up comic and also a burgeoning writer. He had written a really terrific movie for Robin Williams called Patch Adams. And oh, yeah. So I got to know, I knew Steve really well. So he hooked up with this uh, wonderful production company in Dallas called DNA Productions, headed up by a guy named John Davis, who had come up with a character called, uh, it wasn't called Jimmy Neutron, it was um, Johnny, I forgot. Uh, it was something else. But sold it to Nickelodeon, and they were going to do a pilot. And so Steve said, hey, Rob, you know, you've been so great on these thumb things. We'd love to have you come audition for, for Jimmy Neutron. I said, great. Yeah, it's, that's an audition, just like anything else. And I had, before Jimmy Neutron, I did a really fun show for Disney called Goof Troop. And yes, there was, yes. And, and there was a fantastic movie that has actually kind of gained cult status called The Goofy Movie. Oh, one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, thank you. Yep. Um, I was PJ in that show. I got to be PJ. Yes. The big, yes. Old, kind of chubby guy. And Black Pete played yeah. by Jim Cummings is my dad. And uh, so I said, you know what? I really like PJ. I think I'm going to morph that character because I think there's more to it. So I took that placement in the back of my voice. But I made it, I put it instead in my falsetto and slowed it down and gave him a lazy L. So when I say, if I did not have the lazy L or the glottal L, I would say Elliot. But Carl says Elliot. <laughs> or I would say Trevor Newland, but Carl will say Trevor Newland. And what it does, it gives an authentic, uh, uh, an organic, authentic quality to the character that people can relate to they go oh yeah i know a guy who's who has that speech issue it's not an it's an, whatever it's just tom brokaw has it you listen to tom brokaw's broadcast from years ago he has uh, he says l's with that lazy l today uh poland was the scene of okay but it's a subtle nuance but like any character creation it gives a sense of authenticity to the character. Acting is acting. It doesn't matter with your face, your body, or your voice. So I threw that in, had a couple of callbacks, and I got the job. So what's wonderful about characters like that, same thing with Pinky, same thing with other characters I've had a part in creating, is that writers and animators begin to write and animate to fit those organic qualities that the actor brings to it. So then... It turns out that Carl really likes llamas. So we start adding a lot of llamas. Well, Carl has trouble saying the word llama. There are two freaking L's in it right at the top of it. And it works beautifully. So I start to sing about llama, 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 or, or uh, you know, I, I love Jimmy's mama. I can't wait to write a llama. Yeah, all of that. And it works beautifully. Then they animate it so that Carl is, you know, he's very acquiescent and very kind of shy, and they write him that way, and they draw him that way. But when he blows up and he has a moment of, of a freak out, it works great. 
And then I freak out because, oh my gosh, Mrs. Neutron, she thinks that I love her, but I can't tell her because it's unforbidden home. And that's another <laughs> L word. And, and all it does is make you laugh. Yeah. And the same thing with the producers. So that's how that happens. Mm -hmm. and, and when it, back to the first part of our lovely chat, when it works at a high level with wonderful animators, wonderful writers, mm -hmm. and a competent actor, it becomes at least entertaining and sometimes iconic. Yeah. If you go to TikTok, yeah. put on Carl Weezer, there are like 400 million TikToks of people doing Carl mm -hmm. Weezer. And it inspires the next generation to... Yep. Yeah. They don't know that it's me. Mm -hmm. They just know Carl Weezer. And they, they sing songs and they do things. And, it's, and when I show up, they freak out. Mm -hmm. And they find out, oh my God, that's really the guy. But it's still, it's about the character. Yeah. And if you're really authentic in your performance, you want to get the character right. It's not about fame. Don't get me wrong. I love it when make, people make a fuss over me because it means that, that I'm mm -hmm. getting to them, that they enjoy it. But, it's, but the, the idea to create a character that becomes entertaining and maybe even timeless is about the collaboration. It's about making sure that your level of performance is, a, is as high as the people around you. Often, these people are way better at their jobs than I am at mine. So they make me better. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's how you end up with Carl Weezer. It's, it's, it's yeah. pretty cool. Well, it's like you guys are like, I, I always see voice actors as kind of like um, conduits for discovering these characters because totally. it's like you guys are reaching into the ether exactly. and going here you're breathing life into the character and and that starts with right. of course the it's writing and then and the anime and and then the, the voice comes along with the writing and then the animation just married and right. it's like that trifecta that is just like it's like the most um it, it's the best combination to create everlasting totally. characters because i mean look at the long lasting quality of like just Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, you know, it, it's just, ah, and the Simpsons, or, yeah, yeah SpongeBob. Or, or, or Family sure. Guy or SpongeBob or, SpongeBob. you know, or, or totally. Teenage Mutant into Turtles too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, which, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. It, it's, it, you're 100% correct. And I, I've done something like 2,500 half hours of, of animation through the years, which means I've auditioned and not gotten another three or 4,000 and been in mm -hmm. so many projects that aren't even, I mean, look, I have had way more than my share of, of hits. Uh, but there are a lot of people who tried to uh, come up with their version of the magic mm -hmm. of Ninja Turtles. Doesn't happen. Same with SpongeBob. I, who knows? But the idea is you keep trying and you are grateful for the opportunity. And if you're, if your ego is in check, you have no problem saying, wow, I reckon I better get my shit together because Trevor and Elliot are writing and producing this thing and they've hired me for it. But I, I, I'm honest with myself. I'm grateful for the gig, but I'm not as good at my gig as they are at mm -hmm. theirs. But they found something in what I brought to it that they're willing to let me give a shot. But my ego is out of the out of the equation i mm -hmm. want to get better I, I can get better by working with trevor and elliot 
So I, I got to figure that out, not screw them. You know, they're not looking at my vision. Well, then go make your own yeah. project, you know? Yeah. Um, and I like to think that I have the sort of ego that is about the, the whole. It's about the project. I, I want to be better because the, if the project's better, mm -hmm. I'm going to work. Um, and, and so I, I, your, all your points are exactly correct. And then if you're lucky enough to work on something where you get a couple of seasons and more room to play, then you have people who write things that inspire you to improvise. Mm. So if, I, if Carl falls off his llama and says, Ow, my scapula, that was something that I picked out because scapula is a funny word. It's funnier coming from a guy <laughs> like Carl. And it has an L in it. And I can't even tell you the number of times I meet people and, can you say, ow, my scapula? <laughs> and look what it just makes you laugh. It's, yeah. And so then the producers go, oh my God, we're going to put that in. And next, you know, find more ways for Carl to go, ow, now, you know, I didn't realize it, but I have two scapulas and now the other one's hurting me. Oh, and that was inspired. I improvised it. Yeah. But I would not have been able to do that were it not for the fact that I had these great writers around me that were writing stuff that gave me the the um, inspiration to mm -hmm. do that. It's a total team effort. Yeah, and I think that's a beautiful point. You were saying, you know, how people try to make the next TMNT or the next SpongeBob. And I feel like the reason, like you were saying, the reason it can't be done is because the people that created the original content all love what they're doing so much and they love everyone around them and they're just that one giant family really of collaborators yep. and you can't you can't duplicate that you can't replicate that there's a you, magic combo <laughs> yeah you know you know they talk about lightning in a bottle and that's why uh i have had that experience arguably four or five times mm -hmm. to be able now to do it again and at least so far the ratings or metrics however they measure that stuff the fan reaction to animaniacs and pinky in the brain uh 2.0 is i think pretty freaking good mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. that's why i love these opportunities because uh, uh to speak with you because it's even rarer to get another shot at something like that where the first reaction understandably would be for many fans oh my god come on why screw with it it was great. We got 100 episodes. Mm -hmm. We can stream them on Hulu. Well, Mr. Spielberg said, you know, I think we should. Yeah. And they got it right. Right. And I, I can't even tell you what that experience is like. That, if it's rare to be in a hit mm -hmm. and rarer to be in four of them or five of them, it is uber rare like that. <laughs> to get a shot at something that has an enormous fan base that has become absolutely an iconic animated show yeah, and yeah. do it again and now have the critics and the audience and Hulu and everybody say, oh, my God, they did it again. Yeah. Impossibly rare. Um, but it all still boils down to enormous creative input from mm -hmm. many people. It is not the Rob Paulson show. It is not the Maurice LaMarche show. It is not the Steven Spielberg show. It's Animaniacs. None yeah. of it happens without Steven, for sure. <laughs> but part of his genius is knowing whom to hire, putting his rubber stamp on it, and then letting them go. Letting them do, letting Elliot and Trevor and Rob 
do what he hired us to do. Yeah. And, and that is often what you find in people at that level. Their genius is knowing whom Who to, to put get. together, yeah. knowing where to tweak it, but yeah. not micromanaging. Just, and then just let them go. Yes. Yeah, let them be creative. Mm -hmm. I hired Trevor. The guy's freaking great. I'm not going to tell him what to do. I'm going to give him parameters. But Trevor, I want your input. Elliot, I want to see a script from you that if you've got an idea, I want to see it. I didn't get to mm -hmm. become Steven Spielberg by writing, producing, casting, shoot everything on my own. Right. You know? And and so they got it right again. Holy mm -hmm. shit. I, yeah. It's incredible. Incredible. I know. It's, it's, that's, and that's, again, just the, the timeless, again, time is yeah. like, it, it's amazing how animation with time is just, it, it goes hand in hand with one another. Um, it does. You're especially, right. you know, like uh, with, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like you got two stints on. Well, you've gotten multiple stints on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, yeah. starting with Raph back in Rewriting the Turtle like, Band, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. And like, I grew up watching the cartoon and the movies during the early '90s, and then I got to work on the show in like the two thousand, like mid late two thousands. You know, it's like Fabulous. just the transition between. uh doing the voice of Raph and then also doing Donatello. It's Donnie, it's just, yeah, uh, yeah Donnie. <laughs> so it's just like, it, it's amazing because, and then I love the episode where you guys do the um, crossover with the eighties. Oh, uh, that was one of my favorite episodes to edit. Cause when you go, why you sound so much like me? Yeah. <laughs> what, about, like, yeah. what about me sound weird? What about you? Gappy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's something really weird about the way you sound. Yeah. Me sound weird. What about you, Gappy? And let me tell you, there's another really lovely story. We premiered that episode at New York Comic Con in 2012, I, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, as you can imagine, the, the panel was uh, 3,500 3, people at mm -hmm. the Javits Center in New York. That's a big con, New York Comic Con. Yeah. So yeah. we're there with the producers, Kevin Eastman, one of the creators of the comic. Okay. I was there, a couple other actors. So they uh, showed, it was called Transdimensional Turtles, mm -hmm. where Townsend Coleman, um, Barry Gordon, Cam Clark, and Rob Paulson meet. In this case, it was before Seth came on, so it was Jason Biggs, uh, Sean Astin, Greg Sipes, and Rob Paulson. Okay, let me tell you something, and this is the God's honest truth. When that show aired, of course, the audience loved it. But what was really, really striking and so uh, just incredibly heartwarming was when the lights came up, there were a lot of people, a lot of young men your age doing this, who were so struck by that immediate connection to mm -hmm. their childhood. Yep. And mm -hmm. then zoom, this incredible passage of time. Mm -hmm. And it was this stark reminder i think of not only how precious time is but that these connections to characters from their childhood were indelible mm -hmm. and so they were tearful because they didn't know what else to be they were clearly happy and it wasn't sadness it was just like god i don't know why i'm crying but that's really amazing mm -hmm. it's a freaking cartoon show but you know what it's not just a freaking cartoon show it's much more than that. And when it's done right, 
as you've said a number of times, rightfully so, it is utterly timeless and very powerful. Very powerful. I know. It's, That's something. Yeah, it's it's amazing because like, yeah, I, I just yeah, my earliest memories are like trying are is playing turtles and and just trying to be, you know, either Mikey or Donnie or Leo or you know Raph, and it's like. You know, you, you just have like towels and stuff, or like you're you got the belt or, Dude, <laughs> or the toys. Son, actually, my son, is, my son is 36. Oh, yeah. He's got he doesn't know we have them, but we still have his turtle sheets. We still have his you know turtle toothbrush and stuff. And I think one day he was at our home. He and his wife were visiting, and he saw his you know turtle hairbrush and said, "Oh my god, when did you get this?" And I said, "I you probably got it for Christmas in 1991." 1990 and he looked at it for i swear to god 10 minutes just like oh my god <laughs> holy shit and then it kind of started my old man is Raphael. holy smoke i remember ordering pizzas as Raphael and what that meant to me mm -hmm. huge connection so yeah uh, i'm telling you man you guys are in the right business if you want to start if you want to really hit people where they live because yeah. what what you're getting to unleash from your own careers is something that you you will when you're my age. I I hope I'm alive to to see how you how you're being able to go. Wow, you know what, Rob? I totally get what you're talking about because I had this encounter with a guy at Starbucks and he told me that this thing I worked on got his his wife through breast cancer because it was. I hear that stuff all the time and it gives a an import to my job that goes beyond a paycheck, an action figure, a rating point. It's stuff you just can't know until you've gotten to a certain age. It's amazing. Because you're affecting, you're affecting somebody's personal, like their soul. Totally. You, you yeah. touch them in a way that no money or anything else could ever touch somebody. Exactly. Period, Trev. It's that simple. But to the person whose soul you're touching, it's so complex. All it ends up doing, though, just like with you guys, when I start doing this, you can't help it. You start yeah. doing what you're doing now. And you smile. <laughs> and you and, smile. And, yeah. Because so many memories flood back to me. Like, right when you just hear that voice crazy? instantly. Yeah. And you, yeah. you and your friends who are now, you know, at the beginning stages of your careers will have exactly the same experience I do. And I promise you, boys, mm -hmm. there's nothing like it when you can put your head on the pillow at night and go my god i'm so grateful i had that chat with that man who who had testicular cancer and golly who knew that my story would be his touchstone mm -hmm. for getting through that brutal treatment and he took his time to hunt elliot and me down and say hey you guys i just got to tell you this project that you created you don't know me, but I had to come to Comic-Con to yeah. meet you guys. I don't want anything. I'm not going to buy anything. But I just had to tell you mm -hmm. what your work did for me. I, I, I really am looking forward to that happening to you guys because it, it, it validates everything about your life from the time you were 15. You go, oh, my God, this is why I do this. This is why I do this. And and it's not planned, it's utterly organic, and that is what makes it so precious, because you can't plan it, and you 
you chose to do these gigs for the noblest of reasons. It's, it's tantamount, I swear to God, to being a brain surgeon, to being able to say, you saved my life. People tell me things like that. I know what they mean, and it is no less important to me than it would be to a surgeon to say, God damn it. Ninja Turtles got me and my brother through our parents' really brutal divorce. I have a twin brother, and now we're both 45, and we, but I'm telling you, we both wear our Ninja Turtle t-shirts to this day, because that show saved us from the brutality of this impossibly acrimonious divorce. Right. How do yeah, you quantify it, it, that compliment? Yeah. I watched your TED Talk in Detroit, and you brought Oh, up, thanks, yeah, Trump. Absolutely incredible. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the part, you know, about what, what you went through. This is absolutely just incredible, and, and just the... The, the way you looked at it, I, I, we'll touch on that in a bit, but I just wanted to like highlight the turtle jacket story. And then when the kid came up to you, I believe he had autism at the, yes. at the con. Isn't that so? Yes. Yeah, so my little friend, just Anthony. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful moment. That great? Just, yeah. yeah. Oh he he came up to me. What Trevor's referring to is in my TED talk, which you can check it out. You can go online on YouTube and uh, TEDx Detroit or Rob Paulson TEDx, and you'll see it. Um, and there are a series of three photographs from this young man. Um, Anthony, who is autistic and suffers from, as often folks do in that circumstance, from crippling anxiety. But he really wanted to meet Yakko. And in the first photograph, he's uh, inconsolable, weeping, almost broken. I mean, he'd been standing in line, you know, doing this, rubbing his hands, rocking for like 45 minutes. It was horrible to watch. Got up to me. The second photograph, he's getting his shit together. And then the third photograph, Yakko shows up. And he, look what happens to your face. It's exactly what happened to Anthony. It went from, it went from to in 20 is. seconds. Mm -hmm. All the anxiety, all the challenges of what he was dealing with gone away. And the audience sees that. And you can hear them audibly say, oh, Crazy, not planned, not about medicine, just a connection to something utterly joyful. And and Powerful. that connection just it brings them out of despair, yes. out of uh, whatever anxiety, whatever right. they're going through, and it, it's it's a healing right. process. The, well, it's amazing how much the voice heals, like because we're, we're yeah. we we res it resonates with us because we are very an audio-based society, uh, cult, you know, like the whole Without world, you know, like if we, uh, it's, uh, we respond to the voice. I mean, the first words we hear are our mothers usually, or our fathers, oh. you know, and, amen, and then we identify with that voice at the beginning of birth. And then That's right. it just, we start collecting all the voices through, the, through right. life. And then, and, and it, it allows us to carry on. That is Absolutely the truth, Elliot. Uh, if I hear an old recording of my mother, whom I miss every day, uh, I, I, I can smell her cooking. I can smell her perfume. I, I, it's profound what happens. So it stands to reason that if you have a connection with something like an animated character that not only brings you joy, but it arguably saves at least your sanity or get you through something that is impossible to even want to think about going through again, that it's every bit as powerful. It's, it's a, 
astonishing what I what I see and hear almost daily and and so life affirming I can't even tell you crazy yeah. and the thing is everybody has the opportunity to do that it doesn't even have to be in animation or in in the industry at all yes you, you could touch somebody's life in any way yep and you may never know it no that's the that's the beauty that's exactly it, right? it. and uh that's exactly it um not only do you not know it but that's also you're right the beauty and what makes it so impactful is that it comes out of the blue it turns out that that inspiration kindness um empathy like love come from the most unexpected places and part of what makes us freak out when we find the one is you go oh my god i didn't know that if bumping into somebody with my growth with my car card at target was going to lead to a conversation that changed my freaking life. And that's what's so glorious about these opportunities. Yeah. Well, you know? one thing I did want to talk about, uh, I, I know you also mentioned it in your TED Talk, and I was reading about that is, you know, you were diagnosed with stage three throat cancer. Surprise. How about yeah. that? And, and just, just thinking about that, like that's your livelihood. Uh, yeah. But I loved I loved what you said because uh, I, read in, I read in the article, I believe it was from the Cancer Society or something like that, you told the doctor that your main priority was survival and that you could come to terms with your career coming to an end if necessary. That's 100%. Because what I said uh, to the doctors and to myself and to my wife was that, look, I was 60 when I was diagnosed. Five years ago to the day, I was going through the middle of my treatment reg uh, uh, regimen, chemo and radiation. Beat the shit out of me. But I was told it would. The, re the reaction, the response was, Mr. Paulson, we're virtually sure we can cure you which is huge. But before we do, we almost got to kill you. And I started laughing. I said, we're going to get along great because I can relate to that. <laughs> but I was already 60. So even if the doctors had said, uh, Trev, you know, Rob, we can save you. I'm not so sure about your voice. Uh, but, you know, we're going to do our best. Or they have said, it's really gone too far. We can make you comfortable. But you're on your way out. I had nothing about which to be sad. Nothing. I mean, we've already discussed, you know, it's all about me today. We've already discussed what an incredible <laughs> career I've had. Yeah. And I, I, my son is healthy, grown, happily married. My wife has graciously put up with me for far too long. You know, from the logistical spot, plenty of insurance, she was going to be fine. So yeah, it would have made a few folks sad, but that's life. You know, many people have left the rock much younger than I. So mm -hmm. I had nothing about which to be sad. But that's not what they said. They said, we can cure you. We just don't know if we'll be able to save your voice. But the reason my cancer story is important, you guys, is not because I had cancer. We all know people that have. I'm sure you both have people in your lives whom you love as much as your own life, who either have or you've lost to cancer. It's never easy. Sadly, it's so ubiquitous that it's a scourge. Yeah. But the fact precisely that I had throat cancer, not foot cancer, not hair cancer. Yeah, it was a bit of a left-hander, curveball. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what's the axiom? We make plans and God laughs. Uh, like my friend Chad, you, who we highlight in the TED Talk, there's a young man, both he and his sister, two precious babies in one family. Both had muscular dystrophy. Both were born in a wheelchair. Both died in that chair. Never got to experience the joy that you and I and our and have. 
and they accepted it with grace, courage, and their parents move on. That was not my story. Now, the fact that I had throat cancer specifically, and the fact that I do what I do and had done it at a really high level in Hollywood for decades, but I got through the treatment, I'm cured. Nobody, including Mr. Spielberg, had any idea what I was going through because I, we didn't, you know, broadcast that stuff. I don't need sympathy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good. Mm -hmm. But now, because of the kindness of people like you, to have me on and let me tell my story, you guys are helping me do something that literally could save someone's life or help them get through the most difficult circumstance of their life with humor, grace, and, and kindness. Because people are going to be able to watch your show, even if in a parsed segment, whatever, and say, hey, Uncle Jim, I, I know you're having a hard time. You know, Aunt Karen told me about your cancer diagnosis. You know that show that you turned me on to when you were in college, Pinky in the Brain? And, you, and you've been watching it on Hulu? Check this out. So they listen to my story and they go, hey, Uncle Jim, that guy is older than you. And he had the same kind of cancer that you are now going to be treated for. And he's back doing it at a high level. And had I not told you, you never would have known. So you're going to be able to watch Pinky in the Brain with an actor who was there first go around. And he's since gone through freaking stage three throat cancer. Not only did he survive, but he got hired to do it again. And every time you hear that man's voice, it will remind you that he went through what you're fixing to go through. And he's fine. You got this, Uncle Jim. Dude, that is why this conversation is important. And, and had I not had throat cancer, I, my story would have, not, would, have been nearly as, would not have been nearly as impactful. So in the fullness of time, my story is not a silver lining, you, you guys. It's platinum. Because I'm, I'm working at the same level with the king of Hollywood and all my friends talking to Elliot and Trevor. And my story is helpful and inspirational, and you guys are helping me tell it. That's, that's ultimately why we're, where we're put on the rock in the first place, to help other people. So if you can help people and do what you love, oh my God, it just doesn't yeah, get better. Yeah, it's the best. So, hello. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> my, wife, my wife said, you gotta go. Um, so cool. I apologize because I clearly no ramble. And if you guys wanna, if there's something you wanna pick up, later i'm yeah. happy to go back back in um, but i have to get i have to get on the road because i got to go to work okay well um, okay yeah well rob but thank you, you I, I might have covered it anyway i just you don't, covered I don't a wanna... lot okay <laughs> you did cover a lot <laughs> we greatly appreciate um, well, it actually yeah and 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 thank you rob so much for being on the show today and going through your whole career and your life and giving My very pleasure, kind words to those out there that might need it. Um, Thank you. It's my great pleasure, you guys. And I, and to us, I, yeah, I so I, appreciate you giving me the time. Absolutely, Rob. Well, thank you so much. Rob Paulson, everyone, absolutely incredible human being. And just, I, I don't have words. I really don't. Thank you, Rob. This has been really Trust special me, for us. I got plenty of words. <laughs> I got plenty of words, Trev. And the fact is that, as Rob says often, and I, as Yakko, I can tell you it's a damn truth, is that laughter is the best medicine. The cool thing is you can't OD and the refills are free. So, Good night, everybody.
Thanks a lot, you guys, and stay healthy, and uh, best of luck to you. You're going to have a ball. Thanks so much, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care. Bye-bye. If you like this episode, make sure to follow us on social media at Film Detectives. For further news and upcoming shows, join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.